This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hello and welcome to Chewing the Fat. How in the world are you? And I mean that. How are you? I hope, I hope you're doing great. You're probably doing better than the British gambler who reportedly staked $5 million on President Trump winning the election. Now, that's not, he's not out the money yet. But (laughs) that's a lot of money to be sitting on the table. Now, if it turns out that President Trump wins, he wins $15 million. That's not a bad deal. Now, he apparently used private bookmakers registered in the Caribbean island of, is it Caraco or Curaco? Curaco. C-U-R-A-C-A-O. Curaco, right? You know, that island over there in the Caribbean, you know. So I guess he consulted with some Trump camp insiders and then made the bet. He's from the United Kingdom. He bet $5 million. Man, many people, many people that I surround myself with hope that he gets that payout. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. So, it looks like Oregon became the first state to decriminalize personal possession of hard drugs like heroin and methamphetamine. Instead of going to trial and facing possible jail time, a person would have the option of paying a $100 fine or attending new addiction recovery centers. Well, that's special. Washington, D.C. has also legalized therapeutic use of psilocybin mushrooms. Marijuana was also legalized in New Jersey and Arizona. Under the amendments in both those estates, New Jersey and Arizona, only those 21 and older could legally buy and use cannabis. Recreational marijuana could bring the Garden State $210 million in revenue, combined with sales tax, legislative analysts estimate $255 million in new revenue for Arizona. Smart and Safe Arizona Act would levy a 16-cent excise tax on pot above the standard sales tax that goes to state and local governments. (laughs) They are going to tax the crap out of whatever drugs they want to make legal. And to be clear, uh, Oregon didn't make things legal. They just decriminalized them. There is a difference. So, uh, you know, good for them. Good for them. I know the move to decriminalize, uh, you know, heroin and meth, as well as legalizing shrooms, passed by huge margins. Uh, Measure 110 
uh, it completely changes how the justice system treats those who are found with personal use amounts of hard drugs. It doesn't say, at least in the stories that I've read, exactly what constitutes legal personal use. So, a person under the new measures, instead of going to trial and facing jail time, would, you know, face the fine or the addiction recovery centers. But again, it goes on to say personal use, and it doesn't say what they're constituting personal use. So I guess that's up to you. If you can prove that that truckload of heroin was for your personal use, you're good. Uh, I'm guessing, you know, that's obviously not so, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Wow, we are in a, I mean, we joke around all the time and I joke around about, you know, what a great thing it is, but wow, uh, it really isn't. Well, you know what? It is a good thing. The heck with it. I'm almost there. Just legalize it all and be done with it. But, you know, when you talk about all the money that they're going to raise with tax dollars, they're going to have to hope that the drug uh, addiction programs don't work because they're going to need to be buying those drugs, right? I mean, they just passed another $2 tax hike on cigarettes in Oregon, and they're talking about uh, now now taxes in Oregon go from one thirty-three to $3.33 a pack. That's just taxes. Now they talk about the annual revenue is about $130 million. Well, is it? Because funds from the tax increase, they say, are going to be used for public health programs, including smoking prevention and cessation programs. It doesn't say that all of it goes to smoking and prevention and cessation programs. It goes to public health programs. But if it works then there isn't that $130 million revenue, right? So where does that, they've got to make that up somewhere. Uh, It's just a, oh, what a wicked web we weave. Oh, wait, that's when we first tried to deceive, right? (laughs) So anyway, those of you listening in Oregon, bless your hearts and good luck, God bless, and have fun and just... Put that warm juice in the main line and let it ride. Speaking of let it ride, uh, Kanye, guess who he voted for? <laughs> right. You're right. He voted for himself. He even tweeted about it. He said, God is so good. Today I'm voting for the first time in my life for the president of the United States. And it's for someone I truly trust. Me. <laughs> Uh, That's great. And he also said that, uh, well, Kanye 2024. So we've got that to look forward to. He's, uh, he's already given in for this year. He's not gonna, not gonna make it. So apparently he got, uh, I don't know, 60, 70,000 votes in the 12 states that he was uh, running in. He was running in uh, Colorado. He was running in Vermont. He was running in Arkansas. 
Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Utah. And he got uh, 60-some, almost 70,000 votes or something like that. 6,000 in Vermont, 1,200 in Arkansas. No, 1,200 in Vermont, 6,000 in Colorado. Almost 4,000 in Arkansas. You don't need to know the numbers. It was 60-some thousand. I mean, mean, is it good? I don't know. I get probably not really. Uh, For Kanye, I'm sure he was hoping for a lot more. And I was kind of surprised too, except really this election was a referendum on how much do you hate Trump. Really wasn't a referendum on Joe Biden so much as it was how much do you hate Trump. And, you know, we're split down the middle as a country, and that's where we're at right now. You know, I, I know I know, it's chewing the fat. I know, I know, it's politics. Uh, you know, it's the election. But that's what's in our face this is the election, okay? I'm sorry. It's just in our face, and I can't help it. I've lived it for the last, you know, 30 hours or more than that, really. But, you know, it was in my face all last night as I was part of the Blaze TV broadcast albeit a jokester dressed up as a dead George Washington with, uh, you know, Carl. Yeah, I know I didn't have to say it was dead because we all know that George Washington was dead, but I dressed up as the dead George Washington, uh, you know, out of the grave and uh, fighting with Karl Marx and who's going to end up in the coffin. And, you know, while it was funny, but the side note of that is that I was there for the entire coverage. And then, you know, on Pat this morning, we delved into it some more. So it's been in my face and I've just got to get it off my chest for a little while. Okay, so bear with me. Thanks for listening to Chewing the Fat. Just bear with me. You know, like, for instance, the FBI investigating robocalls that told 800,000 swing staters to stay home. Okay, so apparently more than 3 million of the automated calls were made nationwide, but it's the 800,000 that made made to people with phone numbers tied to six presidential swing states that are most alarming. All right? So I guess... um, They don't know who was behind the cryptic messaging... And whether the calls targeted people with particular party leanings. But one of the messages was just a few seconds long. And it delivered the stay home and stay safe. (laughs) Uh, It's just incredible. If you got a phone call. And it told you to stay home and stay safe. And you hadn't voted already. Which is possible that you had. So, if you were going to go out and vote, would a phone call that reached you or didn't reach you that said stay home and stay safe from a robot stop you from going out and voting? If it said, hey, you can't, you're sure some people think it's voting day today, but really voting day is tomorrow. If you believe that, you deserve to stay home. I want you to stay home. So if a, if a phone call that says, hey, hey uh, you know, stay home and stay safe, if that stopped you from going out and voting, that's another issue in and of itself. Know what I'm saying? I think you do. You know, another thing that uh, 
I think you know what I'm saying when I tell you that we've heard for years that it's important to have a diversified portfolio. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that kind of thing. But if you ever looked at the breakdown of the most successful portfolios, you'll typically see a diversified set of real estate. So why isn't it one of the first asset classes you consider when you're looking to diversify? Uh, simple. It hasn't been available to investors like you and me until now. Thanks to Fundrise. They make it easy for all investors to diversify by building you a portfolio of institutional quality real estate investments. So whether you're just starting to invest in real estate or looking to add more, Fundrise has you covered. Here's how. Fundrise is an investing platform that makes investing in high-quality, high-potential real estate as easy as investing in your favorite stock or mutual fund. To date, Fundrise manages more than $1 billion in assets for 130000 I think they said 150000 now, plus investors. And since 2014, the Fundrise platform has averaged 8.7 to 12.4% annual returns and investors have earned more than $79 million in dividends alone. That's pretty sweet. Fundrise's team of real estate professionals carefully vets and actively manages all of their real estate projects. And with their easy to use website, you can track your portfolio's performance and watch as properties across the country are acquired improved and operated through the asset uh, through the asset updates start building you a better portfolio today get started at fundrise.com slash jeff that will get you the first 90 days of advisory fees waived fundrise.com f-u-n-d-r-i-s-e dot com slash jeff j-e-f get your first 90 days of advisory fees waived fundrise.com slash jeff start building that better portfolio today fundrise.com slash jeff okay can someone tell me why you would take a white horse to the front of the Attorney General of the United States House, William Barr, and protest that he's not doing enough and wants Barr to throw Joe Biden in jail. (laughs) I mean, there's an argument to be made that Attorney General Barr is not doing enough on a lot of fronts. There's no question. But people are showing up in front of his house in Virginia on a Saturday with a large white horse and they're holding signs saying equal justice is coming. Biden lies matter. They wore crooked Hillary shirts. Um, You know, okay, I'm I'm with you. Do more. Attorney General Barr, do more. But. Are you going to bring Trump signs and a large white horse? Does that mean... (laughs) Is that going to change what Bill does during the day? I don't think so. 
Now, uh, you know, he came out apparently and shook some hands and took some pictures. I mean, he's good at that. We've seen him do that before. But, I mean, I would stick with the argument of what the hell is he doing anyway? I mean, he does a couple of quick sound bikes in front of some Senate inquiries. And then, I mean, has he done anything else? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, you know what? Maybe bring a white horse to his neighborhood in front of his house and pick it with signs. And that will get things to change. Sure. Why not? Let's go ahead and do that. And you know what? And one more, one more Trump story that I thought was really funny was at a Michigan rally. I don't know if you saw this or not, but they, um, you know, they have uh, a Michigan rally. They had had several Michigan rallies, and one was in Traverse City, Michigan. Beautiful Traverse City, Michigan. I love it. Been there a bunch of times. Cherry Festival. We've talked about it on this show before. And, uh, you know, they have a place for the press. Sure, they're going to show up because the press is following Donald Trump wherever he goes. But they have to, you know, they give the press their Wi-Fi at these rallies. And really funny, the login to the Wi-Fi was Biden built the cages. And then the password was Trump built the wall. <laughs> I sure hope he was doing that all over. I, he probably wasn't because this is the first I've heard about it. So it would have been would have been really funny if each rally had its own agonizing Wi-Fi login and password for the press. But you know, of course, no. You know, I'm sure it was just this Traverse City ones because, oh my God, we have offended the press if they have to do that. It's just funny. Just laugh at it. But, you know, no. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink as it is anyway. Hey, I asked how you were doing earlier, but I'm telling you, you look great today. You do. Don't let anybody tell you any different, okay? Uh, Don't let anybody tell you you don't look great because you do. Now, one of the things that'll make you look even better is if you become a subscriber to this podcast, Chewing the Fat. So if you're listening to this right now and you're not a subscriber, you are just a freeloader. And you know how freeloaders are looked at. Yeah, we look down upon. Okay? I know. I didn't say it was right. I just said that's the way it is. If you're a freeloader, you're looked down upon. But a subscribership to this show is free. So you can be a freeloading subscriber and not be looked down upon. That's what part of your life needs to be. Okay. A freeloading subscriber, not just a freeloader. So subscribe to this podcast, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. There's a plethora of platforms and choose one and subscribe. You can use iTunes. You can use iHeartRadio. You can use Stitcher. You can use Spotify, and the list goes on and on and on. But choose a platform and subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher.
Now, speaking of the press, I was reading this story out of Australia. So they have this big race every year. Uh, the you know it's part of the Melbourne Cup, and a reporter Lee Steele, she was there speaking to the camera from Ascot Racehorse or Racecourse in Perth. And people were, you know, getting, well, they call it rowdy. I would say getting drunk and saying, hey, there's a reporter doing a live report with a bunch of drunk people walking by. Now, TV people are funny. They think that just because there's a camera and a microphone, everyone is supposed to respect them. And we're supposed to just walk by and not look at the camera. And if we do look at the camera, keep walking and just act like we're not even here. But when I turn the camera on you, then I want you to come up to me and talk to me. But if I don't turn the camera on you, you just act like we're not even here. Well, these people were looking like they were under the influence and there was musicians and there was a guy, uh, you know, carrying his accordion which I love. I love accordions. And then there was another guy that was behind her and he pulls down his pants and moons the camera. (laughs) And the cameraman tries to, you know, zoom in on Lee, but of course, you know, no way that he misses that. And then while she, she doesn't see it, right? She doesn't know what's going on. So she's still doing a report. And, the studio uh, let her know what she had missed, and she looked totally shocked at what had gone on. So uh, then, uh, she there's a lady that comes up behind her and jumps, you know, toward her and licks her. Really kind of uh, weird. And then that was it. And she's people were all wound up and wanted to press charges. And it was just drunk people being stupid. You know, I, I guess, uh, they're calling it the scenes of debauchery. All right. There's no, and in Australia, I mean, that's, uh, anti-social distancing right there, man. It's bad enough that you're dropping your trousers and showing your butt. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're getting someone to come up and lick you in the ear and oh man really i mean i guess i'd be kind of pissed too <laughs> but you know if i'm watching at home am i upset no i'm like look at that i mean i'm rewinding it and saving it you know you got to save that stuff you got to be able to watch that a few times all right, we got some headlines. We got uh, Twitter. We got Ferrari. We got some Tesla. We got Ice Cube. Oh, Ice Cube and uh, Phil Collins uh, headlines to deal with. We got Jack Dorsey, uh, remaining CEO of Twitter. Uh, I'm sure he's happy about that. They voted to keep the current CEO structure. But they are saying, hey, we express our confidence in Jack, but we're going to go ahead and look at a a new CEO succession plan. And they, you know, question his his leadership. A couple of uh, uh, shareholders, stockholders, and people on the board uh, questioned Dorsey's effectiveness. Uh, especially since he's the CEO of the finance tech company Square. 
one of the investors uh, questioned his move to Africa for three to six months because the continent was the future. Uh, that plan was later scrapped. So Jack just wants to get out of the U.S. and still be a U.S. citizen. And he wants to be able to meditate in other countries. That's so special. It's nice of him. So they aren't real happy. I mean, they kind of like him and he's in charge and he holds the, the keys right now. But it's very possible. Another round of questioning with him uh, looking like he's stoned and the hair is unkempt and the beard is let go and he's, you know, got the nose ring and he just uh, wouldn't be surprised to see them say, hey, Jack, you're not the CEO anymore. But, you know, what do I know? Uh, Ferrari. The stocks for Ferrari, if you have stock in Ferrari, you are happy. Uh, their stock soared after they announced that uh, the Ferraris will not go ahead with electric cars. Yay! They surged more than 7%. So if you had stock in Ferrari, you are very, very happy. Um, they had some sort of idea about uh, making, you know, electric cars and Ferrari was like, uh, yeah, no, um, we are sticking with gas powered cars and the executive, the 65 uh, year old executive for Ferrari, when asked about it, uh, Louis Camarelli. Uh, Camillary, 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 Louis Camillary, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-R-I. I just call him Louis. Louis and I are friends. I never, I never can remember his last name. It's just a, you know, it's just me and Louis. Uh, I call him Louis. Uh, he questioned the entire idea and said, you know what? Uh, in my lifetime, uh, we're not even going to see a 50%, let alone 100% electric no way so uh, people were kind of happy about that musk elon uh said in an interview or uh, it was a twitter exchange right i think it was just on twitter that uh he was about a month away from bankruptcy when he was trying to figure out how to mass produce the model three electric sedan wow um uh, so from Mid-2017 to mid-2019, production and logistics, hell. And he was about a month away from bankruptcy. That's that's pretty huge. And don't forget, he had one guy that they fired for uh, stealing information or going up against him. That was during that time, too. So there was a while there where he was really, you know, having a kind of a tough time. And uh, what was that... I remember the stupid story. There was one guy that got uh, was was uh, really in big trouble. I mean, Musk took him to court, and now I have to find out. Uh, <sighs> Please hold. Your listenership is very important to us. Please hold. Thank you for listening to Chewing the Fat. Your listenership is very important to us. We're attempting to find the data that we're hoping to retrieve for you. Please hold. Thanks for holding. 
Your listenership is very... Here you go. Uh, hello, you still there? Okay, good. Um, he warned employees about sabotage after a couple of incidents. This is in the window of what he was talking about. Uh, he sent a couple of emails to other employees. So he said that he had an employee that admitted to conducting corporate sabotage and a potentially suspicious fire had broken out, uh, on the factories in the, in the factory's body shop. <laughs> so his, uh, his note was, uh, uh, the person used false credentials to manipulate Tesla's manufacturing software as well as exporting large amounts of highly sensitive Tesla data to unknown third parties. The employee admitted to the acts after failing to get a desired promotion. Wow. So, I mean, those are just a couple of things that happened in that window of being a month away from uh, bankruptcy. So just uh, just, uh, made me think of that. It was just kind of interesting to my own little my own little mind rapper and actor whatever uh, ice cube got his little panties in a wad he got a little upset for saturday night live so saturday night live might be getting funny again if that's the case apparently they might i didn't see it so you know i don't know if it was funny or not but they used ice cube mocking him for supportive comments he made about president trump of course so maybe it wasn't funny it was just a way to bash trump but uh he wrote on his twitter account f u s n l so i don't know if it was his twitter or his instagram uh, but in the SNL skit, comedians uh, Keenan Thompson, who was really funny, uh, starred as Ice Cube and Chris Redd as Lil Wayne. Uh, and during the sketch, comedian and actor Jim Carrey, who was portraying former Vice President Joe Biden, asked, why in the name of all that is holy would you be voting for Trump, who were both wearing MAGA hats? And they reply, Texas. And I think even him in real life uh, walked that back a little bit, which is why he's all mad at uh, making fun of me for being with President Trump. He he said on a Fox Business that he discussed President Donald Trump's platinum plan. He I like it. I like that it's aimed towards Black Americans. You know that's the key. I just think whatever we do, gotta be aimed toward Black Americans. Wow. Uh, the hate and the unthinkable Ice Cube saying something nice about the Donald. So uh, in October, he refused to take part. This is the thing that got them mad at him. In October, he, which was, you know, last month sometime. Remember, he refused to take part in a celebrity Zoom call with Kamala Harris. <laughs> oh, because he said, that's ah, just going to be a rally cry. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be productive. We spent a lot of people's time putting the contract with Black America together, and I just thought that getting on a Zoom call with 12 other entertainers all shooting what they believe needs to be done uh, wasn't going to be productive. Wow. So he told Chris Wallace 
that he wasn't settled on a candidate at the time of the interview. Yeah, because he's still trying to cover his butt, right? He doesn't want to go too far down that Trump line. I was just working with him trying to do stuff, good stuff for black Americans. So now, I mean, then he's the bad guy, right? He's the bad guy. mentioned having phil collins in the headline news so remember we talked about he and the wife getting a divorce and he was cutting off the kids or he was the kids were still getting the money and she was getting cut off well now the divorce is all you know big high and dry and we're going to court so we're finding out that she had an escort uh preston thompson who claims that they had a sexual relationship and she gave him gifts and, you know, booked him as a companion through a fantasy date. She um, told him that Phil knew about it and was fine, introduced him as a friend backstage at one of Phil's shows. Uh, He stayed at one of Phil's mansions with her and, you know, I'm sure Phil loved her. They've been married a couple of times for a bunch of years and have kids and everything. But she is a little, shall we say, frightening looking. But I'm sure she's a great person. I'm sure she's a great person. But uh, he said, uh, Preston uh, Thompson, the um, companion, recalled their first encounter. We had drinks and room service i stayed the night there with orianne oh that's so special and she had an affair you know with a stripper and then she was living with phil and now she's married to someone else great person great person apparently she sent a text saying to phil she wanted to dump him oh it's always nice to do that you've been married a couple of times and you've been together for a number of years and you just dump them with a text. (laughs) That's real nice. Real, real nice. I mean, Phil is in rough shape, man. He's been struggling for a long time. Uh, Last picture I saw of him, he was in a wheelchair and I know he's been struggling with booze and he had a neck injury at one of the reunion tours. And in that picture with the wife who you know, he was together with a couple times when she was younger, she looked a lot better. Uh, you know, you might be able to say that with a lot of people, myself included, but uh, times have changed for uh, Orianne, uh, O-R-I-A-N-N-E, Collins. Uh, she's become uh, familiar with the good life and wants to remain a uh, young-looking older person, if you get my drift. And maybe Phil had something to do with that because she looks like she's... I don't know that she's got... Uh, she's on her way to three cuts to cloud face, but it looks like that she's had, uh, you know, some rest issues or you know she's enjoying a larger area on her chest edges 
and it looks like she's had some shots and so forth and some uh, you know some tucks and maybe a few lifts here or there but hey who am i to judge sure sure we've got nine million seven hundred and nine thousand eight hundred and sixty four total cases of coronavirus covid19 in the united states of america sure they made a big deal about 238,907 deaths sure we'll probably hit 10 million total cases by christmas sure that's going on no problem don't worry about it sure they're telling uh, the states are starting to double down on lockdowns and on contact tracing rules and mandates. And sure, we're being told to uh, consider social distancing the norm in our lives. Sure, we shouldn't go to bars, do anything like that. Sure, we shouldn't do anything like that. But I was really surprised that our CDC told Americans, hey, sure, you if you've got COVID-19 and you're supposed to be quarantined, you know, you've got a right to break the quarantine because <laughs> you got to vote. <laughs> sure, no problem. You, uh, you've got to vote if, even if you're supposed to be quarantined regardless of whether you're sick or in quarantine, I mean, there's steps that you can take to protect yourselves and others from spreading the disease at the ballot box. If that's true, then why are we having to be locked down? Voters who are sick or in quarantine should take steps to protect poll workers and other workers. Well, no kidding. Wear a mask. They look six feet away. Wash your hands using hand sanitizer before voting and after. You should also let poll workers know that you are sick or in quarantine when you arrive at the polling location. I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) Hey, don't mind me. I'm supposed to be quarantined. I have COVID-19. I've been diagnosed with it. But I had to come here to vote. Don't worry about me. Hey, um, make sure that, uh, you know, that thing I'm supposed to sign for you and you're supposed to take my ID to make sure it's me. Yeah, don't do that. So make sure. Look, I made sure I had a mask. I even brought an extra mask in case this one breaks. I've got tissues. I've got hand sanitizer, water, and I've got a black ink pen. I don't know why I should carry a black ink pen, but I brought one anyway. And I would like to, I want to vote. So just keep me at arm's length and let me vote and let me touch everything that I possibly can. And, you know, keep everybody away from me and we should be fine. And if I cough, I'll leave, I'll have me inside my mask, so it'll be fine. Nothing can come out of this mask. My mom made it for me. <laughs> uh, I brought two. No, they're not medical masks, silly. I like. I don't like the way those make my face look. So I just wore this mask that my mom made for me. But that's fine. I mean, okay, CDC, which is it? Do we need to be really concerned about this or really, if we get it, we need to just follow the recommended 
plan of social distancing and wear a mask. And shouldn't that happen once we get it, not before? I mean, you're making the big case of all these numbers going up and you're continuing to tell us that we need, everyone needs to wear a mask when more people are wearing a mask right now. I, I'm confused. Uh, and I know that's probably not a, <laughs> not a big deal since I've gone through life confused, but I'm confused again. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts. You know, speaking of the CDC, they uh, expired the no-sale order for the cruise lines and replaced it with a conditional sailing order this past weekend. Well, the cruise industry has now suspended cruises until next year. Oh, isn't that special? Now, as we work to operationalize a path forward, our members have agreed to extend our existing suspension of U.S. operations through December 31st. Now, that's the Vice President of Strategic Communications for Cruise Lines International Association, the CLIA. I mean... You trust every word they say. The industry's leading trade group. That's what I said. I trust everything they say. So the organization members carry 95% of the world's ocean-going cruisers, all of which are committed to implementing stringent measures to address COVID-19 safety, including 100% testing of passengers and crew, expanded onboard medical capabilities, and trial sailings, among many others. Isn't that special? Right? What happened? I mean, holy cow. That's a dangerous thing. That business is going to be tough. I mean, on a plane, right? They test everybody and you go to where you're going to go. And you're done. You're there in a few hours. You know, okay, even if it's a day, right? You have a 24-hour flight. You know, traveling around the world. But a cruise that you're on for, supposed to be on for 7 to 14 days, maybe even longer. And, okay, so you test everybody when you get on, right? And uh, everybody's fine. And then you test everybody seven days later with your stop in Milan. I know the cruise line doesn't stop in Milan. I just happen to have that city off the top of my head. I am fashion, you know. And uh, you test them seven days later and 30 people are, you know, positive. I mean, is that cruise shut down now? Or do those 30 people leave and, you know, you force them off. You throw them overboard. You just toss them overboard and say, oh, good luck, God bless, goodbye. And overboard they go. Yep, we had, thank you, passengers. We had 30 people test positive for COVID-19 this afternoon. That was the splashing that you may have heard. If you didn't hear, then you may have heard about it. Uh, they, uh, they tested positive, so we threw them overboard. Please enjoy the rest of your cruise. Dinner will be served on each level at 6 p.m. Gambling will resume immediately. I mean, I, okay, good luck, God bless. I don't know, man. That cruise line industry is a tough, tough business to be in right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I think you can quote me on that. Yeah, you know what? You can. That cruise line industry, 
a tough, tough business to be in right now. You know, another tough, tough business to be in right now is the ostrich meat industry. <laughs> Apparently, they, and I'm not, you know, it's, every business is tough, tough business to be in these days. I know, and, and it, whatever it is, but the ostrich meat industry is experiencing setbacks in Pakistan. Uh, just as it was beginning to take off, according to this story, um, ostrich meat kind of, uh, you know, you don't see that in the, uh, at the meat market here in America very often, but apparently it's a common delicacy in parts of Africa, Australia, and the UAE. So Pakistan is trying to break into the market and it's experiencing these setbacks because, uh, you know, it's leaving the small group of farmers to trying to keep it alive. In 2016, the Pakistani government began a project to kickstart the ostrich industry there, offering subsidies to ostrich farmers. Soon the number of ostrich farms in the country rose from about 60 to 400. Wow. And they thought it was going to be a gold mine. And then the government, a couple of years later, said, you know what, we're not going to give you guys money anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So the farmers now weren't able to pay off their initial investments. The business, uh, you know, is more profitable than other livestock, but the farmers need a lot of patience. Okay. So I guess compared to cows and ostriches have a higher profit margin. They mature faster. They produce more young. They live longer. That's kind of cool. If you have a good egg, always important to have a good egg. It takes 42 days from egg to chick. So if you have a good breeding birds, good feed, good management, then you have a good result. Well, duh. I mean, that's so if everything works out perfectly, you have a perfect result. <laughs> Thank you. So it costs a hundred bucks to raise a chick to slaughter weight. And the meat alone can sell for about $3 a pound when beef is selling for, you know, couple bucks a pound, I guess, in Pakistan. Uh, so good luck. They're trying to compete with the livestock. I would not be surprised to see a little ostrich on the shelves here in the U.S. trying to, you know, make a run for it. Well, I guess it's, it has a similar taste to lean beef, uh, mutton, or deer. The birds just need to find an audience. I mean, remember I did the story about the uh, hippopotamuses. That was supposed to be a big deal, right? They were going to get them over here and start breeding them for hippopotamus meat. And we were going to get rid of beef. And we were going to get hippopotamuses in here. And that was going to work out fine once they found an audience. That never happened. So good luck to the ostrich farmers in Pakistan. Good luck to any ostrich farmer around the globe. I hope that you find your audience audience because we all know that it's uh halal and it has that similar taste to lean beef mutton or deer so they just need to hold on and find an audience right so i read an article uh today about rush limbaugh just a quick note on rush and then uh, you know i'll get out of here today but you know he's been struggling with cancer and uh he said that uh, making it to election day yesterday was an objective for him. He said yesterday being here today was one of the objectives. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for my family. 
they have particularly my wife. Uh, this stuff is hard. I've been the beneficiary of some of the most loving and devoted people. Well, uh, A, I would say, duh, you're Rush Limbaugh and you should be surrounded by those people. But I really find, I didn't realize that, uh, I mean, if, if making it to the election was a goal, he's a lot sicker than we thought. Uh, I know that he's really struggling and he's going through it and he's coming on the air as often as he can. And I, I, I should have listened to him today, as a matter of fact. Uh, for those of you listening live on the 4th of November, 2020. But uh, I just, uh, you know, I know he's had a setback in his fight against cancer. And uh, so times are uh, times are looking short. I guess there's probably, you know, there's probably a deadline now on uh, on his time and that is sad news the radio industry the uh prof- i mean the broadcast industry period is going to lose a giant when that man is no longer on the air a giant i don't care whether you like him or not that guy is rush freaking limbaugh that's going to be a sad sad day tell you that all right you have a good day i don't want to leave you (laughs) i don't want to leave you with that because he's still alive so it's good but okay that that went left you again with the bad stuff right so i gotta leave you with good stuff (laughs) okay all right here you go all right here you go You look great today. I already told you that. I mean it though. So go out and make somebody smile, especially looking like that. I think you know what I'm saying.